0: Welcome to My Comic Shop History. I am your host, Anthony Desiato. Our exploration of the world of collecting continues with an episode focusing on comic books and specifically the completest mentality that drives many of us collectors. Uh, I'm joined by a pair of guests. Uh, first, we have returning guest Sean McInerney. Sean worked with me at Alternate Realities for many years. He is a school psychologist. He is also one of the most avid readers and collectors that I know. So, Sean, welcome. Thank you for having me again. I appreciate it. Uh, and I'm also really excited to welcome our first new voice of the season. <laughs> so, uh, one of my goals this year was to bring in some new people, get some fresh perspectives. Uh, so, I'm really excited to introduce Dan Greenfield. Dan is the uh, editor, publisher, writer, and co creator of 13thDimension.com, which is a terrific source of comic book news, reviews, interviews, and commentary. Dan, welcome. Well, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah. I want to take this opportunity to publicly thank you. You've been very good to me in my various projects, <laughs> uh, and sure. I, I thank you very, very much. Yeah, sure. Uh, so I'm excited to talk to both of you today. Um, I did an episode a, couple, um, a few weeks ago on collecting original art. Uh, we had a great conversation, but for me, I've only ever really dabbled in that. So I was kind of coming at it from the perspective of an outsider. But what we're talking about today is something that's really personal to me, because it's something that I've experienced, and it's something that I've I've struggled with. Uh, the title of this episode is Complete Run. Mm. And so I want to talk about, you know, what motivates so many of us to need to have every issue in a series, every appearance of a character, every part of a crossover, um, because, again, this is something that, uh, you know, I've, I've grappled with. Um, so to, to kick us off, um, Dan, you wrote an article about a year and a half ago, and... Um, it was called "How to Quit That Comic." You just can't seem to quit. <laughs> now, when the article came out, I the thought of doing a podcast wasn't even in my head yet. But when I started planning out this season, and I knew that I wanted to focus on collecting, that was one of the first things that I that I thought of. Uh, so, if you wouldn't mind just giving us uh, a little recap and maybe a little background into why you wrote that article, um,
1: you know, the the thing about being a comic book reader and and. It, that completist mentality, I think, comes with it for most readers, it, one way or the other. It's all just a matter of degrees. And I actually, my my own personal fandom kind of comes in two parts because I was an avid fan, diehard, obsessive, and then I quit. I was out of comics for a, a, about ten years, and then I came back. And and we can get into the to, to the why's later. But one of the things that I was I, I was in intent on doing differently was because i'd left comics it was because i was burned out and part of the reason i was burned out is just that need to have everything and when i went back to comics i kind of i didn't want to go through that again that wasn't it I, i i had gotten to the point in my reading where enjoying it was more it was preferable to having. And I think that's the eternal struggle for most, for most collectors is, do I really like this? Do I really love this? Or am I doing it because I'm quote unquote supposed to? And I gotten to the point where I didn't feel like I was supposed to do anything other than what I wanted to do. And, you know, there, there, there's sometimes there's the occasional backslide, but I've gotten to the point now where life and time are too short. And if I don't like something, there, is, there are other things to do and with 75 years of comic books if there is something i'm not liking right now i can tell you right now sitting here there's a lot of stuff i've never read so i'd just as soon spend my time doing that and find things and say you know i was always curious about reading that story i might as well take the time to do that and that's kind of where that came from i don't i think that what it was that prompted it was the weekly batman book when i wrote it was because i was again as a as first and foremost a batman fan I mean, it's an embarrassment of riches being a, you know, when you're a Batman fan, there's there's always going to be a Batman book, and usually it's going to be the top creators or among the top creators, and it's usually going to be something good. At the same time, that also means that there are likely to be five or six books at a given time, seven, maybe eight, depending if you're talking about side characters. Do I have to read all of those? And I I used to feel like I did. And when I was reading the the weekly, and I thought it was okay, but I was just like finding that like two or three weeks would go by and it was stacking up, and I was, well, I don't feel like reading it. And I was like, you know what? That's okay. And then I thought to myself, I'm going to write about that because I know that that's part of why I got into trouble the first time in terms of getting burned out on comics. And also because I do know that people deal with that very
0: issue. So I felt like I wanted to address it. As soon as I read it, I thought immediately of you, Sean. Yeah, sure. Um, so before we get a little bit deeper into you know the why and how of your collecting, I want to answer the, the what of it. So if you wouldn't mind just giving us and listeners a sense of the scope of your collection and, uh, in particular, some of those complete runs that uh, I know are really important to you. I know Green Lantern is one of them. Uh, yeah, I had to write some of these down. So
2: I had the luxury of working on alternate realities for a long time and access to, to getting a lot of books at a very fair price and so before I was married, my collecting was just anything and everything that at all had some appeal to me. Oh, that character looks great. I'm going to buy it. Oh, that issue looks intriguing. I'm going to buy it. Um, and then as I grew, I, I really began to focus a little more and um, Superman was always a big character for me. So I bought a lot of Superman. Um, I ended up buying a large chunk from you, Anthony, mm-hmm. in one big lump. And yeah, that we'll, just, we'll talk about that. <laughs> that just got me like, well, you know, I've got X amount of years. Let me just start chipping away backwards. Um, Green Lantern's my favorite character. Um, I have been collecting anything and everything that I can get my hands on, and I'm now within the, the. I can I can see the end. I can see the end of the road where I've almost got all of the Green Lantern books from 1959 when Hal Jordan appeared to present day. I'm I'm less than 50 away from having all of that, and that for me is. Exciting because that's a character that connects to me on a lot of different levels Um, That said I still buy a lot, but once we had once my wife and I had our first son um, I think I probably even told you this at the store that my collecting habits changed and it was no more I'm gonna buy anything and everything that that looks cool. It's much I, I focused it I said well, I'm gonna get Green Lantern. I'm gonna get Green Arrow and Every now and then I'll get a beast or I'll get a Captain America or something like that But it's few and far between I'll stick to the just really the Green Lantern Green Arrow type stuff And and I've actually done pretty well in terms of merchandise staying focused um, with the comics I, I Agree with you in in many respects Dan and, and you use the line I think it was even in this one that that newspaper reading mm-hmm. a lot of my collecting is newspaper reading in right. many respects And I just want to see what's going on I um, I look forward to uh, in a couple of weeks, my fan, my wife is going on a conference and she's taking the kids with her for a little bit. So I'm going to prune my collection Mm. and get rid of a lot of stuff that I will never look at again. So is
1: this green lantern Mm. stuff or just other stuff? This is other
2: stuff. The green lantern stuff, even at its worst, I've got, I I like knowing like I've got the run, you know, and it's not just the volume run or it's not just the writer run or the artist run. It's the run. Um, So for me, there's a cool aspect just to that. You had talked about this in one of your previous podcasts about the historical piece to it, like you're owning a piece of history. So in some very small way, shape, and form, I can say, you know, I've got something that existed 30 years before I was ever even born, you know? Um, And that to me is kind of cool.
1: Does condition matter to you when you buy back issues of Green Lantern? Yes and no. Um, I'm
2: realistic in the fact that I will never own mint condition early issues or even mint condition some Neil Adams stuff right now that said uh, I'd like to buy something that is still appealing it doesn't right. have to be high grade but I would like it to be you know a seven or better you know sure. something like that um but I do have some books that are really in poor shape I, I just but I got them for a steal you know it was it was oh, a handful of dollars in an antique store right. and they had no idea what it was and even if it was in bad shape I got it so I've right. got of the first 10 I I think number 3 is is in I would say like a 3.5 4.0 condition pretty low yeah. but it's number 3 sure. you know, that's great and I paid I've less than $10 for it in, in an antique store in Vermont so yeah, I wouldn't trade that I, yeah.
1: mean, I, I would to me it doesn't have to be mint I mean it's got to be like you said it's got to be a good solid reader copy I do have certain things that I don't want I don't want writing on the cover or whatever I agree but, there's, but there are other things I definitely can live with things that actually I used to not be able to live with
2: yeah I, I mean you have to be realistic I you know I'm not independently wealthy where I can afford just to go out and buy the best condition right. of every book and the reality is there's so many reprints of stuff that if I wanted to read Green Lantern 76 I have about five different copies of reprinted I can pick it up and read it at any time and not worry about damaging it so you know to splurge a little bit on one issue that means a lot I'll do that but those are few and far between
0: We had a, a quick conversation uh, a few weeks back at East Coast Comic-Con, mm-hmm. Sean, where we talked about your collection, specifically Green Lantern, the Green mm-hmm. Lantern run, mm-hmm. as well as uh, your your habits when you go to comic conventions, yeah. and I will likely throw that audio in so listeners can, can hear a little bit of our conversation on the floor at East Coast Comic-Con. <laughs> so we're once again at uh, table 119, uh, right next to the Batmobiles here. And right next to you on our table is a stack of books that you picked up today. Now, I want to talk to you because you are a veteran of these comic book conventions. Sure, sure. And I know you come in with a list, with a mission, and you're you're really focused on, on what you're looking for. So I guess just to kind of get us started, what uh, what sort of stuff did you pick up today?
2: Well, so for today, um, I started at the Dollar Bins. Rich, had, uh, Rich Roney, uh, who's been on the show before, was kind enough to come yesterday and sort of spotlight the areas that I should go to. So he sent me to this one booth and I bought some dollar books um, of the Superman Adventure comic, uh, an all age comic, mostly written by Mark Millar and, and stuff like that. A really great, great book that is so much far superior to what's out there now. So I, I bought that and then. My main goal of all these conventions is to close the gap on completing my Green Lantern run, first and foremost, and then chip away at The Flash and Superman and stuff like that. Uh, When I started today, I was within 50 issues of having every Green Lantern comic, including the showcase appearances, since 1959 to present day. It's been fun. It's it's one of those things it's nice. Drew had asked asked me, Drew Cheskin, who's been on the show, I think, too. He asked me this morning before we even walked in the doors, why do you bother? Why don't you just buy them all online? I'm sure you can get them all online. And he's right, I could. Uh, But part of the fun is the hunt, is is coming to these shows and digging through the bins and negotiating prices and trying to get the best deal you can. Um, I carry with me a list, and then I, I carry with me a photocopied page of the price guide so that I can look and see if I feel like I'm paying what I think is a reasonable fair amount of, for the, each book.
0: Yeah, you know, I want to talk a little bit about just your habits, you know, when you're hunting for books, particularly at conventions. Yeah, I've got very poor social skills at these conventions. Um, well, it's, it's funny, <laughs> so uh, I saw Rich uh, earlier uh, after you and he had, had parted ways, and he described you when you came into the convention floor here. He said that you became erect as you made your way over to the books. Now... erect is what he said. <laughs> that, that's a direct quote. Right. Now, I believe he was referring to your your stance, your posture, um, or maybe not. Maybe you just really, really, really like back issues. I, I don't know. I, I, I'd like to go uh,
2: with the earlier one. Um, I, I think what happens is... I come into these with a a mission, and as anyone who's come to a convention with me can tell you, I'll be very talkative prior to it, I'm very talkative at lunch, but when we actually walk the floors and I'm going through the boxes, I'm focused on that and I'm not giving my 100% attention to the other people around me. Which might be rude, I, you know, but that's I, I think I, I compare it more to like laser focused. I'm laser focused at these things. I come in, I look. Within a matter of minutes, I can decide do they have what I want or not, and can I move on? Um, which places I might make notes of, which place to come back at the end if I want to try to get a better deal, or if I haven't seen anything, you know, else that I want. Um.
0: Well, I can attest to the laser focus because I was on my way to the men's room. And out of the corner of my eye, I saw you digging through back issues, and I was like, ah, this is gonna be a great photo. And I took like three shots of you, you didn't even know. No, I have no no idea. You could, very flattering, thank you. I don't know really what there's much to see, a big bald headed guy digging through boxes, but. uh, You know what, it was just the focus and the concentration. And you, as you said, you know, you clearly had a mission. just going back to your collection of comics specifically, uh, can you give us a sense of approximately how many you have?
2: I mean, it's well over 10,000, I, I 13,000. I don't know. How it's, many long boxes does that translate to? Um, it's, it's tough. Cause I've got an entire bedroom at my house full to the brim with boxes. And then I've got boxes at my parents' house. I've got boxes just sort of scattered throughout right. all over. Um, I really, I really don't know how many long, but a lot, <laughs> it's a lot. Um, and I've, you know, the, the, the key silver age books that I've got, I, I keep in a safe place in like the master bedroom of my house. I've got extra books that I know I'm going to get rid of on eBay in the basement, you know, stuff just to, to, to throw out and, or take to work with me and you know, I can give them to the kids, some of them. Um, but it's, it's, it's a large collection. And then there's the statues and the merchandise and the figures and the trades and all the hardcovers. Um, it's a lot. Uh, And I recognize that. But, but it's not, it's never, you know, when I worked at the store, that was my comic money.
0: It wasn't paying the bills. It was just paying the hobby, you know, so. And just for the record here, my little disclaimer, uh, you know, as we talk about being a completist, uh, Sean, in particular, there are a number of questions that I'm going to kind of hit you with, but it's not in a, any critical sort of way. It's just that you were sort of, in a lot of ways, the voice of the, of the completist sure to some no. extent um so actually I, I think there are more people
1: like him than there are like me I, prop, yeah because i i was that person and it was with batman and it went it, it, for me it was i got to that point until about 92 93 thereabouts and i just for me it was just burnout and part of again the reason is that there's so much batman yeah, especially absolutely. at that time and i had i had gone as far back as i could with the run that i have maybe i'm jumping ahead so i'll i'll you know but the for me when i decided that i was going to get back into comics that was the thing that i didn't want to do yeah. I, I didn't i you know i knew i couldn't for one thing but also it's just i wanted to make sure that if i was going to do something it was something i really really wanted but there's really something to be said for saying that you have a green lantern you know with the exception of these 50 books goes all the way back to 1959 that's really really cool and if you are focused on something like that Then more power to you. I, you know, I think that's great. Yeah.
2: I mean, and, and I said this in the commentary at the the show, part of the joy of collecting is that hunt. And you know, uh, you mentioned I'm a psychologist. I, I have notes here, but I had recently serendipitously read a book on social psychology and it talks at one chapter about happiness. And they say, if you're going to spend money on anything, buy an experience, not merchandise, not something, you know, because that's you're gonna you're gonna look back on that more more favorably than you would buying something that you put away and you never look at again. And I think the same can be said about comic books. When you buy a comic book, nine times out of ten you bag it, you board it and you, you stick it away and if you're lucky you go back to it in a decade and, mm-hmm. and, and maybe not. Um, but the experience that is involved in that then adds that extra layer where the thrill of the hunt. it is the thrill of the hunt. Yeah. And, and it's, you know, it's, it's great going to a show and mm-hmm. walking booth through booth and, and seeing who's got what and at what pi- price. And, um, and it's exciting when you come, when you come out of a show and you feel like, wow, I finally found this one issue that
1: that's taken me years to track down. Um, or, or even like a surprise, like also at East coast comic con, I'm walking along and I'm not a huge, I'm, I'm still Batman first and foremost, but I, I've diversified since I've, you know, over the last 10 years. And I just happened to be walking by a booth and on the wall, someone had a, 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 a the Spider-Man Ditko issue with him with the with the machinery. Oh yeah, sure. Yeah, thirty two is it? Thirty three? Thirty two. Yeah, one of those numbers. And, and and it was like an off the off the rack copy, like it looked like it was something that I would have expected would have been like a few hundred bucks or whatever. And I saw it was forty five dollars. Wow. Yeah, I'm like that's a steal. I even sent yeah. him. I said, I said, is there anything? If I open this up, am I going to find pages? He's like, no, it's it's re-. and it's a reputable dealer who I've dealt with before, and I just was amazed by that. And it's true. The experience of that is something that cannot be replicated even. And I will do the occasional eBay thing, but it's just the, the yeah. being there is, I mean, that was the highlight of my show. Was, yeah. I just, mean, it's like, holy, you know, I agree with you. I think with, with the internet today,
2: you can, you can track most anything right. down pretty easily. And drew one of the friends from the store. He's been on the podcast. He, he would say to me like, Sean, you could just go online, just buy it online right. and have it and be done. Um, and, that that hunt is what's missing. It's yeah. what stops you from doing it. Now every now and then, I just I just bought Green Lantern seventy six, um, and there but there was a story behind me buying it. So I'm always going to know when I look at it. It's like oh wow, I I was almost going to buy it from this one dealer, and then last minute somebody else had it for a lot less, and I and I snatched it up, and I, that will always stick with
0: me right. when I look at that issue. That has always meant a lot to me to right. begin with. So, so you know, DC had their new fifty two event. Five years ago now. Yeah Um, And Sean for the past five years every time I've asked you (laughs) how the books are because I really didn't follow them Uh, I have a couple of them a couple of the different series in in trade But I didn't follow it on a monthly basis and for the past five years every time I would ask you how they are Your answer was some variation of they're terrible. Most of them are terrible I mean the thing with me is there are good stories.
2: Well, what were you what were you reading? Let me ask you that. The stuff I was reading consist Well most of it. I read every Superman title I read almost all the batman titles i read all the green lanterns the green
0: arrows the justice leagues the flash the um and, and not i mean to cut you off but i think this is an important point and i give you a lot of credit because you actually read everything yeah. i think there are a lot of collectors especially when you really have that completist mindset where you might buy things and then just put it in a bag oh, box i can't in a box. do that no
1: i can't buy anything i don't read i yeah. can't do it yeah, no, and, I, if I mean, I don't, and if i unless it's for and, and this is not typical at all occasionally i will buy something for the cover if there's an artist I like, if there's a Jim Steranko version of a cover or, a, you know, or Adams is doing a variant or, or any other, you know, number of favorite artists and they're not incentive variants and it's going to cost me $15, $20. Mm-hmm. That's the case where I'm like, you know, I'm, I know I'm not reading this, but I'm saving it because I really like it as a piece of art. Absolutely. In that itself. Absolutely. That's not typical. But I I am in the camp of and. I'm not going to buy it just to put it away. I I, ha- I have to read it. Because otherwise, it's,
2: then it really serves no purpose. Right. Then, then it becomes true, just obsessive. Right. You're buying it because of the habit of buying it. Right. At least if you're reading it, you're getting something out of it it's you know um, but I I bought most I mean I bought a lot of different titles and to say that they were all terrible is maybe a little too extreme there were some really good moments Mm -hmm. throughout and and I think Scott Schneider um, and Capullo did some really incredible stuff with their run some of it I didn't really love but but most of it on a whole I at least felt like they understood who the characters were or the important themes that I care about with the Batman characters Uh, the point for me, that, that new 52 missed. And I th- I like to think in the early weeks now of Rebirth, they're kind of going, it's not quite what I want, but it's at least closer. There was missing a component of who the characters were. It was much more about we want to make them younger, edgier, darker, and all that stuff. And that for me, that was never what got me into comics. Right. You know, comics for me began as an escape. And I work in a very can be very stressful can be very emotional type you know job as a psychologist and you hear some of the worst stories and the last thing i want to do is escape to a world where the heroes are just as bad as the villains And because that's not that's not an escape then you know if i'm living in a world that's better than that that's a problem um and that was my big complaint with like batman versus superman superman as a character i think should inspire hope I had no hope watching that movie except we,
1: we could go on for hours I know that's a different <laughs> that's podcast that's we true. could we'll come back um, um, but yeah, yeah, there will yeah. be a whole episode devoted yeah, to that yeah. but
2: um, that's, that's what I like I think with the rebirth they're at least trying to go back to yes. some of those core
0: principles of the characters of just you know heroism Um, But so for the past five years as you were buying and reading those new 52 books, I mean uh, Again to put it bluntly. I mean how how do you get through it when you're not enjoying it? I mean, you know, is it just a chore is it are you still able to get something out of it? Even if it's not what you want it to be
2: I still look forward to it. Um, I look forward to Wednesdays I like going out and buying books. I like going to the shop and seeing some familiar faces. The ritual of it Yeah, Yeah, I I like that. I and I also like knowing you know, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday night for a little while each night when the kids are in bed and, you know, if my wife's asleep or if she's doing something else, I can kind of escape to that and just relax on my own. It's my own like me time. So even though I wasn't truly loving maybe the story at the time, the opportunity just to have some quiet time to myself was really very mm-hmm. nice, you know. Um, and some stories were, were okay. Uh, and sometimes the art was really beautiful and the story wasn't, but you can at least appreciate it on that level, but
1: are you a story guy first or an art guy first?
0: I—that's a great question. It's story. I guess I'm. St- I guess story. I'm story. Yeah, I, I mean guess I'm
1: story. story. I'm definitely. Story. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And we have guys within our group who are the opposite. They really follow it for the art. Yeah. Um, but I've—I've I've always followed. It's a writers. visual medium, and right? At
1: the same time, if it's a, I—I I will forgive a good story with lackluster art before I will before the other way around. I mean, there's very few. There are very few things that I own that I own simply for the art. But there are a lot of things that I own for the story, even if the art is like, well, you know. No, I I agree with you.
2: There's a lot of stuff I own that you talked about. There's 75 years worth of books to go back and read if you're not interested. There's a lot of stuff I own that I bought just for that purpose. I just want, I know I'm gonna reread, like I reread James Robinson's Starman every year. I look forward to it, I do it the same time of year, every year, and I love it. It's one of my favorite parts of that year. And so I've got multiple copies of that. You know, I've got the single issues, the trades, the hard cut, whatever, because it's something I, it's, that's my ritual. That's every year. And and every time you read a book like that, you connect to it, I think differently. Um, Not all of these books that I buy have that same meaning or even connectivity to me where you can go back and say, wow, I appreciate this totally different now that I'm a father myself or whatever.
1: You know, I sort of related to that, which I think also kind of goes to the completest aspect is I think that there's also to, to borrow you know an addict's term of chasing the dragon you know chasing the high that i think also plays into a lot of why people do continue to read books even if they've stopped liking them and that was something also that i was able to stop myself from doing is that a lot of times and i particularly found this right before i had my what i call my great hiatus from comic books was that i was i was searching for that high of feeling like, man, this is like the best thing I've ever read. You know, this you know, always looking for the next Dark Knight or the next Batman Year One and becoming more and more disenchanted that it wasn't there. And so rather than taking the stories on their own terms and understanding that there's a reason why those classics are classic and that they endure for decades because there's that's they're so much better than everything else, I I you know, I understood the the that that I was able to Kind of make that distinction between If I'm chasing something And it's not giving me that feeling At some point I'm just going to quit I'm just going to stop, it's not worth it to me Now again, I say this from the the vantage point Of being a Batman fan, knowing that The chances are there's going to be at least one Batman book Going on at a given time If I'm a Flash fan, and this isn't to pick up To pick on the Flash, but there's only one Flash book And if you're a diehard Flash fan And something that's going on in that book and you don't like it I I imagine that that could be really painful Um, Because this is your guy, Uh, you know, or if you're you know certain characters that that we I mean, I I, Friend of mine who contributes to the site is the biggest Aquaman fan that I know he runs the Aquaman shrine His name is Rob Kelly guy is he's a podcaster. He does he's got a, a gazillion different websites on different things but like Aquaman is his passion and which is I didn't know anybody who for whom Aquaman was their passion until until I met Rob and he did a, he did a podcast the other day with uh, Dan Abnett, who's the the new writer on the book, who kind of did the last few issues of, you know, before rebirth and is going to keep the book, which I'm glad about because it's been a good book. Um, and he talked about how, you know, Aquaman fans are always looking over their shoulder. You know, they always figure that, you know, it's always going to turn bad and he's going to get canceled and you're going to lose this character. So I can understand that sort of that, that always feeling like you're just one head, you're know, one step ahead of the, but, for me you know if uh, there's a there's a character i don't want to i don't want to knock the book because i don't want to knock the writer but there's a, a character who i like an awful lot from marvel and i have tried reading the cu- the current comics and i just cannot get into them but i have found myself going back and finding old bronze age and silver age books of that character that i never had read before that i've always been curious about and it's as, just as rewarding and you do get that feeling so i, I i'd rather I'd rather kind of like I used the term before, I'd rather diversify than just keep going. I'm, I'm curious. And you took that
2: hiatus. Did you, when you went back to comics, track down books that came out in that hiatus? Like, gosh, yes. I'm really sorry that I missed that. And-
1: yes. And no, um, the, the, w- when I, I quit comics, basically the, the, I, I mean, I yeah. Do, do you want me to go back to the beginning, or do you, yeah? We can get into that now because sure. I, okay.
0: you know, we've we've touched on it a couple of times. So yeah, okay. it'll be interesting to know sort of what led you to that point. Sure, I had I had been a,
1: you know, like most people of my generation. Um, because I'm, uh, uh, in, you know, I'll be fifty next year. Uh, my way into comics was through the the Adam West TV show, Batman TV show. I mean, that's just a very typical kind of thing. So I'm I'm not alone in that. And I I can remember that let's put it this way. That's always existed for me. And I remember, I can't remember the first time I got a comic book or anything like that. Some people have listened to your podcast where someone was like, oh, I was in the barber shop or whatever. I don't remember the first time, but I do remember very early examples of seeing comic books and having them really be appealing to me and um, in other, in other collectibles and stuff like that. But it was always Batman first and everybody else second. And this went all the way through the 70s. Into the 80s early 80s. I I started working when I was about 13 or 14 years old before I could even get papers I was working at a bingo hall in Highland Park, New Jersey (laughs) selling coffee and hot dogs (laughs) Getting secondhand smoke Um, And you know for a kid at that age. I used to make some pretty good pretty good tips working Friday Saturday nights um, And you know just for a couple of hours and make decent money and what I'd spend my money on was comic books and my mother and I had this big back and forth because she thought I was getting a little too old for the comic books. She was previous generation. She's like, I don't know about this. And I'm like, Nah, you don't understand. And, and I figured that the one way I could get it, get her to understand was they'll be worth something someday, Ma. They'll be worth something someday. And that she understood. That she was like, okay, this is an investment. But she still didn't like the idea that I would read so many different kinds of things. I don't know how she knew. I mean, I don't think she was snooping around because maybe she just saw the stuff lying around. And she says, well, if you're going to do that, then, well, what's your favorite? I'm like, well, you know, Batman, you know that. She's like, okay, well, why don't you try to make it the best Batman collection you can, that if you're going to actually look at this as an investment, try to make it like this thing. And that made sense to me. So that was kind of the compromise. I was like, okay, I'll make it, you know, it'll be and that's and so what ended up happening was the tragedy of good intentions was then I became an obsessive. What was, why don't you try to do something became, this is how you do it. Mm. And so what ended up happening through my teenage years and into my 20s, if it had Batman in it, I had to have it. I wanted to have it. And, you know, it's just, so I built this collection going through shows and, you know, pre-internet getting you know, back issues or whatever where I had a run of Bat, the, the, the core of the collection was, Batman and detective comics, every issue going from 1964 into the early nineties, every single one, all of the brave and the bold, um, uh, uh team up with Batman in it. Um, all of the teen tight new teen Titans plus, a lot of other stuff, but that was the core of the collection. Um, a lot of Justice League, a lot of World's Finest, but also once I got out of the house and all my money was my own when I was in my 20s, I just I bought a whole lot more stuff. Again, I was a case where if I started something, I had to finish something. I couldn't quit something in the middle. When... The 1989 Tim Burton movie came out it then exploded Batman was popular but Batman now was insanely popular and he was on cereal boxes and there was you know and again all of that stuff I had to have too. and so by the time the 90s rolled around I was just overwhelmed and I I don't even remember how or why it happened I just decided I'd had enough and I quit. And the stuff just, you know, sat in boxes for a good ten years or so. After my son was born in '98, I started to feel the itch again, and it was a lot of it was being exposed to it. When you have a baby boy, a lot of times, particularly then, it's changed a lot, thankfully, but. You know still at that at that point, you know, you get a lot of superhero toys a lot of gifts and what have you But he also when he was watching cartoons, we would watch the Justice League cartoons together You know the Bruce Tim. Yeah, absolutely and I you know, it starts to awaken in you and So at that point I started getting back into comics and the, the thing that was funny Was that at the same time that I was starting to get interested again was also at the same time that I decided to sell because I I didn't want to go back to that world. I didn't want to go back and have it be about this collection. So I sold. And I
0: sold it to Steve. And it turns out you guys ended up bagging and boarding a lot of the comics that I... Funny that you mentioned yeah. bagging and boarding them. So <laughs> a little silly, embarrassing story. But um, yeah, I was one of the ones who who bagged and boarded the collection. Yeah. And um, as you said, you know, it covered a, a substantial amount of right. time. The Silver Age books are, are larger. They require larger right. bags and boards. Sure. Um, I checked with Steve and since it seemed like the books were all going to be kept together in my head at the time it made sense to put all of the books in Silver Age bags and boards so that all the bags and boards would be the same and, uh, and then I remember Bill Mayo, one of our uh, fellow alternate realities brethren, uh, when he came in and he was flipping through it, and he was like, who put all these new books in Silver Age bags and boards? And I'm like, no, oh, that was me. <laughs> That's uh, funny. Not, not the best idea. But uh, yeah, we definitely were. Sean, you, were you, I don't think you were working at the store at the time, or were you? Because I, rem- I feel like it was early in my tenure. I remember
2: b- b- grading a lot of those well yeah maybe they probably not, sat for a while maybe not bagging all of them but I, I definitely went through and graded a lot um i also went through and cherry picked so, so thank
0: you yeah, So, if yeah, you your won't. collection is living on oh, in good i'm it's, glad uh, <laughs> i was always wondering where those it's books ended up home. that's great um, funny also that you mentioned finding a home um sean at, at, earlier on you mentioned how uh you know you bought some superman books from me so when i sold my stuff and i didn't have nearly as much as as you dan but when i got rid of some of my stuff it was important to me that it that it go to a quote-unquote good home. Um, I've mentioned this many times, but I got into comics with The Death of Superman. For a good few years, I only bought the Superman books. This was during the Triangle era, where sure. you had four Superman books a month, so basically one a week. Um, and that's all I was allowed to get. Uh, and then as I got older, I, I started to expand. And by the time I was in high school and working at alternate realities, I had a fairly substantial pull list, maybe between 20 and 30 books a month. Um, But I got to the point where um, I wasn't really enjoying reading the monthly books as much I was more into reading the trades for a lot of the reasons you would expect you get a complete story no ads blah 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 so um, it got to the point where I Divested myself of really all of my single issues Uh, some I brought to alternate realities and just put in the back issue bins Others uh, Steve Odo kindly let me switch for the trade paperbacks uh, Which was a pretty good deal uh, some I sold on my own on eBay, but the hardest to part with were the Superman books. Um, this was, we're talking like from the death of Superman until the Jeff Loeb, uh, Joe Kelly era. Yep. And uh, it was just the sort of thing, it's not like I hated the books, but I didn't f- really see myself going back to reread them. And this is maybe my own obsessiveness, my own OCD. Having them in my collection, it just it wasn't something that I could abide. It was like I'm not reading the, I'm not going to go back and read them. I'm not collecting them currently. I just didn't want to have them anymore. And Sean, I know you were, you know, looking to build your own Superman collection, and it was a uh, serendipitous, but it was, imp- it really was important to me. Like I don't know that I would have put those on eBay or Craigslist or Facebook or whatever. Like it, it was important that it go to you, and I know they would be in a good home and cared for. And, and they are. <laughs> you know, you, you, you. you, you
1: we're, we're on a podcast here. You made a face, but I can understand that completely. It's also why, like, when I went through, and and I do recycle a lot of my comics now. I mean, I just I, because. Because, I mean, it, there, it, I recycle Entertainment Weekly. You know, I recycle the newspaper. There's no reason to recycle the vast, vast, vast majority of single issues unless I know someone, and I really do enjoy giving them to someone who I think will really get something out of it. And there is something special about kind of, you know, you know passing it on to someone else. I, I, You know, for me, when I sold the collection, I, I knew that I, you know, I'd gotten to know Steve a little bit, because I'd begun going to the store and, you know, buying a little bit here and there. Like I said, the weird thing was, is as I was coming back, was when I'd opted to sell. Um, you know, so I knew that I was, sell- I knew I was selling to someone who was a mensch. You know, I knew that I was getting a good deal. I knew that I was going to sell to someone who I w- would was appreciating what I was doing, and I didn't feel like I had, you know, I didn't feel like he jobbed me or anything like that. So that part of it was was good to do. I I there was I had sold some of it to somebody else. Um for much the same reason, but there was even stuff I just took to the curb, you
0: know The batman collection that you sold to steve you don't have to give us the dollar amount But was it did it turn out to be a good investment? It was enough That I was able to put down a substantial investment of
1: substantial down payment on my car That I still have to this day It has been paid off for years and because of the way I commute it still has under 50,000 miles on it oh. So yes, it paid for itself uh, and the great part about it is that purely coincidentally, and this was probably the indication that I was never going to get too far away from comics is that the, the license plate without giving the full number is actually DKR, which of course is, <laughs> you know, dark Knight returns. I'm like, as soon as I got the number, I'm like, Oh, you gotta be kidding me. <laughs> so I was like, all right. You know, there's a, there, there's some, something cosmic here about the fact that I have a black car that, you know, I won't say the maker or model or anything like
0: that, but, um, What a coincidence, because, Sean, doesn't your license plate have uh, 2814 in it? I wish. I will, right? Yeah, (laughs) GLC 2814. That's a really,
1: really good uh, vanity plate to get. Yeah,
0: Yeah, if you get that randomly, you have to get
1: all the
2: Green Lantern books. That's Yeah, right. That's 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 it. Part of that, you know, buying a complete run or being a completist, you mentioned the Superman stuff. At the time, and it really was serendipitous. I had st- I had taken a hiatus for when when I was a child. Really, I read it as a very young kid and stopped for many years and came back to it in high school. And I remember starting in around 2000 with um, Superman with the Jeff Loeb, the post Y2K type stuff. And when you said, "Hey, I've got you know four years prior to that, you want them?" and I was like, "But yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll get them." And then I was like, "Wow, now I've got a nice run of you know ten years." Well. Why don't I just start chipping backwards and that and then that's how so that, that's my fault. Well, no, but that's how. Like that's I don't when I when I start buying a book, it's not with the intention of like I need to have it all, right? right. It's like I buy the issues or whatever that first interests me. But then after years of collecting, you realize, wow, you know, I've got a bulk of this series. Why, Why not, not just going? get the other ten books I'm missing and have the whole set? You know, that's the slippery slope. It is a slippery. Yeah. You know, you're yeah. 100 percent correct. Yeah. And so now, you know, I've got a nice. I, I've got a nice Superman run that I like. It's from I would say almost complete from like nineteen seventy nine till now um but a lot of those books are like dollar books or yeah, quarter books sure. so it's not in a huge investment you know
1: now when you go when you go and buy your you know whatever you buy on Wednesdays, do you save everything or do you ever just discard stuff
2: there's stuff that I have got. no, I, I do get rid of stuff and I do prune. Um, not but as how often. often, I
1: mean like once a year, twice a yeah, year, like or once do you a year. Like,
2: like once yeah. a year, I'll do a big pruning and I'll right. box up, you know, maybe a long box or two of stuff that I just know, you know, I bought it because I wanted, I, I you know, I just wanted to read it and I, and I, I did that. And like I said, if, if I can find a home for it, if I can give it to somebody if, or if I can bring it to school, my kids will take it or, or if I just donate it or sell it or whatever, you know, then it's paid for itself. I'm I'm happy because I got the experience and I'm done. So I do go through it and I do prune. Maybe I need to do a little more pruning, but I I mean, I I get rid of stuff and a lot of this new 52 stuff because I bought so much. It makes it easy because there's no real close attachment. I don't feel like I really connected with it. So I don't mind letting it go. Even some of the Superman stuff like I, I have, I don't have an extensive run of Superboy and Supergirl, but I bought the new 52 versions thinking like, well, you know, I'll just get these and I can always backtrack on some of the 90s stuff. I, I'm ready to get rid of them. I can't right. wait. I'm looking forward in two weeks to doing the pruning. Cause I know those are the first two things I'm boxing up and right. goodbye and they're out. And now I've opened up space. Um, and you had mentioned why buy stuff to put in a closet. I am proud to say, I think I got about 75% of my statue collection displayed, right. um, which is pretty good. And I haven't really been buying a lot of statues since we've had, you know, a couple kids, but every now and then I'll get one. And my goal would be if I can get rid of two long boxes, I have enough space in the man cave for another showcase, which means right. I can then put all of my statues out. A hundred percent will be displayed. And that's kind of exciting because that's more important to me than holding on to stuff. I'm never going to go
1: back to the prioritizing. Yeah. I, the same thing. In fact, my wife was, was cause I was struggling once with, you know, what do I display? And should I, you know, should I get rid of this stuff or should I store it? I don't like the idea of this stuff sitting in a closet. And she actually came up with a really you know, a really insightful way of putting it. She says, look at it like a museum. A museum has the permanent collection, but it also has rotating exhibitions. So if you are into something for now, you can, and you're done with it, just know that there might be a time where you can rotate the stuff back in and out. If after a long period of time, you've decided that it's, you know, like there's stuff that I've like, I didn't even remember that I had this, then it's time to get rid of it. But there is stuff that I'm glad that I have, that I have stored knowing that it's, you know, not not from the not from the totemic aspect of knowing that I have it. It's knowing that I might not be into it now, but I know that I'm likely to be into it again. The stuff that I got, you know, and I'm, and I'm much, much better than I used to be. The stuff that I used to get on a lark or stuff that I would get from impulse buy is far, far less. And, and where I'm at with my collection now for the most part, I mean, there's always exceptions that I'm sure, you know, it could use some pruning. It's pretty much where I want it to be in terms of just being stuff that I actually want to have. And that was, you know, that again, w- was part of the reason why, you know, you know, in selling the collection, have I gone back since that over the last 10 years and and bought parts of it back? Absolutely. But not because I had any kind of seller's remorse so much as that after I'd gotten rid of it, I realized that there were not all of it, but there were parts that I did miss having that, that even if I could get them in trade, even if I could get reprinted versions, there was nothing that could quite replace having them, the smell of them, the look at them. And, and so what I did was I went back and looked at that collection and I thought to myself, what were the most, on an emotional level, what were the most important things to me to have? And so I went back and over several years went back and picked off, you know, and they—they actually were not that expensive because the bottom had, you know, dropped out of the out of the, you know, the the collector's market Mm -hmm. in the time that I was gone. Actually, the prices weren't all that dramatic. Um, Also, because I'm not a stickler for condition when it comes to, you know, 50 year old comics, you know, I'm it's it's not as difficult. There are a couple that I definitely did splurge. But they're also, I found myself indulging in things that I never had before. Like you mentioned Green Lantern. I have a nice little stack, or a nice little you know portion of a box, I have short boxes now, not long boxes, of old Silver Age Green Lanterns, you know, Gil Kane stuff that I'd never, that I'd only interested, I read them through, you know, I'd see the house ads. And you know, I'm like, oh, that's really cool. Or I'd see it in a book or whatever. But I've gone back and bought some old Aquamans, you know, Nick Cardy work, yeah. um, Gil Kane, you know, Carmine Infantino Flash and The Atom. And, and a lot of those, because I'm a DC guy, a lot of those those books I've gone back since to to to, to really kind of, again, re- experience some new things, experience some different things, but also that thrill of the hunt. And now I rarely buy back issues because I'm pretty much... You know, I pretty much
0: have what I want because now I'm getting to the point where anything else would be too expensive. Yeah. You know, you describe a new phase of your collecting career and it sounds a lot freer. Yeah. And I feel like I've been experiencing something similar Um, after having gotten rid of all my single issues and switched to trades. um, I recently filled out my first pull sheet in a really long time and I've been picking up some of the rebirth books. And when I was filling out my pull list, I was very happy. I didn't really feel the need to get all the Superman books, right. all the bat—I just picked the ones that I was interested in, the ones right. that you know the creative teams excited me. Um, so I was—I was happy to see that there was still a little bit of of the old collector in sure. me. Of you know, it kind of did give me some pause, um, but you know, I decided to to just go for it. So you know, whether you sell all your stuff or you just do the occasional pruning, I do think it it is good every now and then to take stock of your collection and your habits, and I think it can make for uh, you know a smoother Future collector and
2: I and, I, and I, you know, I think you notice the habits that you build into the collection mm-hmm. when it, when you take a vacation. You know, like when I go away on vacation, whether it's a week or two weeks at a time. When you're not at the store on a Wednesday and you get back and you're like, "Wow, I you know I had a great time and I didn't necessarily need to see." You know, you do you do it, you kind of read t- you take stock of it and you're like, "I I guess I really don't need to read that title because." I missed it this week, and I don't care that I, you know, it was okay. I didn't feel who, like you who to is this? Who oh, you're not? This is not Sean McEnany. T- I, I know you're you're looking for conflict here, but it, but I <laughs> no, I, some I was just level, gonna just laugh like,
1: because when I go on vacation, I always find out where the comic book store is. Not not to buy the weekly stuff, but like if we go to a if we go to another country. I love love going into a comic book store in another country to see what they're selling and to see how they're packaging things differently. We went to Italy last year and I went to like whatever city we went to, you know, and I even found some like old 1960s Superman comics from, from Italy and I mean I love that kind of stuff just because it's so different, but it, for me it's the same thing where if I and I and, and because of the website um, I get a lot of stuff sent to me. You know, I, I do buy every week because I don't get everything, but a lot of stuff just comes in, whether it comes in electronically or whether it comes in actually mailed to me or whatever. So I, I do get to sample things that I, and I'm more willing to actually try something that I might not have been before, um, because I don't have to pay for it. And sometimes it will, sometimes I'll, I'll discover things that way. Sometimes I'm like, no, I'm glad I didn't pay for this. And so it kind of balances out. But what will happen though is that sometimes I take, an, take a take a flyer on a series and it'll lap itself, and I realize now I have two monthly issues. I'm like, well, why didn't why did that always stay at the bottom of the stack? Why? And then when I think to myself, well, it's because I've, I had a really busy month and I'm just behind on all my reading, which is usually the case anyway. I, I'm always behind. Um, but if I find that I'm not looking forward to catching up, that's time to quit. It's time yeah. to get
2: out. You know, I find it when I buy the books on a Wednesday and I sit down to put them in order of what mm-hmm. I want to read first. If I'm noticing month after month that this book is the last book right. I want to get to, right. that's a problem for me. Yeah. Like uh, the the new 52 black canary without, you know, I, maybe I shouldn't say all these titles, but that's, well, a, it's, I mean, it's a book it, you know. that I put at the bottom of the, you know, I, I bought it because I liked the character a lot and I bought the first issue. I said, okay, it's different. It's fine. But after a while, it just wasn't for me. And I was right. noticing week after week, I was delaying getting right. to it. And so that was a book I stopped midway. I only have a handful of issues, and it'll make it in the pruning, and and I'll move on. Um, You know, but I wanted to see it at first, just to see. And but that was how I I tracked it, I guess. You know.
1: Well, I'm I'm the same way with with titles that that are more like a lark, where I'll be like, you know, and and sometimes it'll start off really well. There'll be a couple of issues, and I'll be like, hey, this is good. And then I'm like, well, what happened to that book? You know, what happened? Why is it? You know, why is it not that good anymore? And and then, you know, there I have found that there's only one title that I will buy. You know, because you, again, I'm lucky. Batman is almost always good. Um, There's only one title that I will buy regardless. And I have found that I've tried. It's weird. I've tried to quit it, but I cannot quit Detective Comics no matter what. No matter what that doesn't mean I save them or anything like that, but I cannot quit detective comics. There's something about me intrinsically as a Batman fan that that's like the one sop I give to being a completist, not in terms of saving it, but in terms of reading it is that I will always, because it's detective comics, I will read it. But that doesn't mean that I will read this offshoot of the Batman book or I might not read that character's book or, you know, I don't read the Red Hood book, but I do read, you know, I gave Grayson a chance because I was like, I don't like the idea of where they're going here, but I'll give it a shot. You know, who knows? And I ended up loving that book. That was another thing that I learned and it goes back to the whole issue of making your own continuity is if the story, even if a premise is silly, but the story is well told, I will forgive a lot of sins. And so if. It turns out that with the Joker story, it turns out to be a really well-told story. Well, great, that's fine. But it doesn't mean I'll, it'll be, you know, maybe it will be part of my own personal pantheon of favorites. Maybe it won't. Um, but either way, I'm I don't I
0: don't get exercised over that kind of stuff anymore. Sean, when you do drop a book, I mean, how? often would you say that happens and what does it take for you to drop it? I mean, I know there are some things, again, like the core Superman books Green Lantern, where those you, you yeah, will those always I get. Yeah, they just get those. Yeah. Um, but some of those other ones, like Black Canary, for example, I mean, how, how often are you dropping titles? In the past five years, more often than I ever did at the store,
2: um, for sure. And, and that's, I mean, circumstances have changed. When I was at the store, I had access to everything and I had access at a great price. And I still am very blessed... Um, that where I'm shopping uh, it, they're very generous to me but I also have two kids now and I've got other priorities and you, that you mentioned the time to, like the time constraints I, th- I think when I start to really notice that pattern of God I am dreading that I'm even getting this book that's when it's like okay you know what it's time to end it and is it easy like if you re-
0: if you recognize that
2: is oh, it, yeah. that an easy yeah. choice yeah. Then okay. it's just and then, and then it's it's one that' I'll, I'll uh, you know bookmark in my head and say when it's time to prune I'm going straight for that first, and and packing it up, and, and I don't ever expect to make any money off of it. It's just right. the space becomes more valuable.
1: But but there, there's an undercurrent that there's a similarity to what I'm talking about and what you're talking about. Even though you're more of a completist than I am, you're still at a point where you're able to get rid of things or stop things, and it's it is circumstantial. You have a family. Yeah. You know, it's it's one thing if you're 23 years old or 24 years old, and you're spending all of your money because you feel and and let's not kid ourselves when we were all 23 or 24 and comic book fans we were all doing that absolutely and anybody who's listening does that and that was also part of the reason i wrote the pieces that i did about making your own continuity and also quitting that book it was almost i mean it was weird because i remember when i wrote them i almost felt like i was writing a public service you know like you know it will be okay it will be okay and the thing to remember and this is the also why I don't, you know, understand why people, I mean, I understand it from a, from a rational standpoint, but from an emotional standpoint, I, I no longer understand when people get so angry about something that it's out of all proportion where my attitude, and it's also the attitude that I, that, that, you know, that the website, it's kind of the foundation of the website is that nobody ever held a gun to my head and said, you have to read that comic book. nobody nobody's ever done that so you must read this this is not homework i I have a question and it might just be the the psychologist
2: in me but do you think part of writing those articles was as much a way of justifying for yourself like saying dan it's okay to let this go and i'm gonna i'm gonna tell everybody else it's okay too but on Hmm. some personal level it's like i'm putting it out there
1: no yeah yes and no no more from the no, because I can't I made my peace with this stuff years ago. Um, I don't have those struggles anymore, those internal struggles. And when I did come back, I kind of felt I kind of felt like I had to unlearn bad habits. And so I did go through several years of making some of those same mistakes of putting everything in a bag and a board, putting doing this and and, and as it went along as the years went by, I was able to you know, and again, there would be backside. I'd get rid of something. I'd get it. I'd, I'd buy it again. I'd get rid of something. I'd buy it again. All of that kind of stuff. I sort of went through, but that was years ago. When I wrote these pieces, it wasn't to justify it to myself. It was sort of the, not to put too fine a point on it, but it was almost like a paternal thing that I felt like I needed to do. You know, I would see things on Facebook, or I would see something on Twitter, or I would read something, or someone would, and I and and something inside me would say, you know what? You, it's a you know it's almost like um, it, it, it's wanting to it's wanting to to kind of pet my fellow fans on the head and say you know it'll be okay guys you know come come join me it's really okay to to, to cross the river because it's really really important that people not get caught up in things that if you're supposed to, if if what you love is giving you stress man that's a problem like yeah I agree with, that's you with that that's a real problem and and I found that out. Just by living through it. And of course now, you know, I wish I'd known that when I was 25, you know, maybe I never would have quit, you know, maybe if I had been able to, if I'd had the wherewithal emotionally, obsessively, OCD, whatever it is. When I was in my late twenties to be able to say, no, I'm just going to stop doing this and that. And the other thing, things might've been different, but I wasn't capable of that then. So there's a part of me and I think it's also because I'm a father and I, you know, my son is a teenager and you know, there's, I do have that, the part of me is sometimes, I mean, there. It's interesting that you bring that up because there are times that I'm working shit out on the website itself when I'm telling certain stories and I'm, you know, that, that, that definitely have like hidden meanings that only I would understand or maybe a family member would understand that to anybody else it's face value. This was not that case. This was definitely a case of, you know what, this is, it's, it, it will be okay. And sometimes it goes exactly the opposite where I'll just run contrary to everybody else and, you know, basically criticize the killing joke, which gets people absolutely bananas when i do that (laughs) i mean they go (laughs) talk about reacting out of all proportion but um,
0: comic book fans got riled up about something you don't say (laughs) yeah right exactly (laughs) exactly i want to jump back just a little bit uh dan because you said something that uh i find very helpful i think you hit on something i didn't even realize that i was doing um you know you were talking this was a few minutes ago talking about um being able to enjoy comics in particular stories on their own terms, and not necessarily compare them to these classics that are perhaps the exception rather than the norm in our medium which they are um and i feel like you know recently we i just recorded uh, a future episode of the podcast it was our book club episode and we talked about dc the new frontier which i consider to be one of those classics one of my all-time favorites so while i was rereading and and one of the books that actually got me back into comics It it was one of those it was
1: like holy crap, what have I been missing kind of things. Well, of course, what I didn't realize is that that's not what I had been missing. I'd been missing other things, but it was one of the things that that, that drew me back in. Uh,
0: so I spent a lot of time recently rereading New Frontier and and, and I loved it just as much as I did the, the earlier times. And at the same point in time, I've been reading the new Rebirth books. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, not to put them down or anything, but I haven't really, I've been enjoying them to an extent, but they haven't really done it for me yet i decided to dabble with monthly comics again Mm -hmm. i I just i kind of missed going to the store every week the ritual i missed the ritual of it uh i missed being current for conversations and Mm -hmm. things like that and it was also just sort of like an experiment for myself Mm -hmm. particularly within the realm of of doing the podcast uh and so i guess my expectations might have been a little too high i think i was looking for rebirth to sort of just reignite the passion Mm and it hasn't quite happened yet But after listening to what you were saying, I think part of the reason might be because I am sort of looking for that next new frontier and and I'm comparing it to that. And perhaps that's unfair to do. Yeah, I I
1: don't think when it comes to monthly comics, for the most part, you can do that. I mean, I don't think any of us sitting here expected five years later that what what Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo were starting to do five years ago was going to end up being... If not the greatest, because it wasn't, but a Batman run for the ages. This is something that could be, and I, and I did a postmortem of it at you know at the website, um, where I pu- kind of try to put it into, at least in modern terms, into historical context, and I have it at like a, n- kind of like fifth, like in terms of runs behind Adams and O'Neill and Engelhart Rogers and Miller and Mazakelli and stuff like that. I mean, really heady company. But there's a lot of, there's been a lot of comics that have been published over the last 40, 50 years that are eminently forgettable. And most of them are. And it's not to knock the creators. It's just, it's just the nature of the beast. And so... When I pick up a Batman comic, and this is also why I was able to kind of just relax on Detective, it's just, you know, I'll just read it. It's a little bit, it's like at least I'm getting to visit, you know, Gotham City for 20 minutes, and I'm not going to get too exercised if it's not the best comic in the world. At least I get to go to Gotham for 20 minutes, and that's cool. Um, if I really want to love something, then I'll go back and pick up Batman year one. And, you know, other than that, it, it is just that sort of the, the ritual of it, the opening the book, the relaxing for the, for that little bit of time and enjoy it for that and not look at each comic book that I read as the, you know, as some kind of measuring stick I, I, I found, and you know, you said before where I sound like it's like, it's kind of freeing and liberating. It is extraordinarily so. I don't feel like I have to read anything I don't I don't feel like I have to read anything I don't want to read anymore. And it's and part of it is also that there have been so many reboots and there's so many years and so much stuff and only so much time that I, I'd rather go back and check out, you know, John Ramita's Spider-Man. You know, I'd rather I love that. I love that. You know, Why would I not want to just spend the 20 minutes doing that rather than something that I'm like, well, uh, I don't know.
0: Well said. Um, I just want to take a moment to thank uh, All Yeah Comics for letting us record yes. here this evening and for staying open late uh, to allow yeah. us to do so. Uh, so I want to thank Mark and, and the rest of the All Yeah crew. And for anyone who hasn't checked out their shop in Harrison, uh, they really should. Yes. <laughs> um, our time is starting to wind down here. Um, so one of the other, I guess the last big question that I, I wanted to get to is sort of, you know, the why of it all. I mean, for those people who who do still have that completist mentality, what is it that's really driving them? And I've really given this a lot of thought. And I, I've, again, I don't know that it's something that we can answer. We can't speak for all fans. And sure. I think it's something different for everybody. But whether it truly is an addiction or, you know, Sean, you mentioned earlier about, you know, owning a piece of the character, uh, keeping up with continuity, not wanting to miss you know, a, a chapter in your favorite character's exploit. Um, you, you know, you guys now, you're both fathers. I mean, perhaps an element of, you know, legacy, wanting to pass something on. I mean, I suppose it could be any or all of those things, but um, maybe for each of you specifically, I mean, what, either now or in the past, you know, what has it been that's really driven you? Pretty say, much everything uh, you just I said. was going to say. No, said, you really actually did all cover the above it. It
1: all of the above. And I think that for, for every... And again, without putting without generalizing, I do think that for different fans, it's different reasons. But for any of them, it could be any of those reasons. And again, I, you know, I've thought about do I want to read digitally, you know, and if I get, for example, let's say on a given week, I've gotten advanced copies of X number of books. And I really only have two books to get, you know, that week that I haven't, you know, I'll still go. I will still go, you know, just because I like going. I enjoy it. I get something out of it. I like the store that I go to. I like the people who go there. It's part of my thing. And if I don't go, I don't like it. You know, I want to, you know. So there's still, even for me, even though I've been able to change a lot of my bad habits and I've been able to, you know, through trial and error and, and, you know, going back since I was, you know, four or five years old, you know, I've been able to, you know, through trial and error, learn what's right for me, all I would tell anybody is just do what feels good. You know, if, as soon as this thing becomes a burden, then you're doing it wrong and you need to think about what it is that you're doing because there is a better way. And, you know, you, you have so much more control over what you're doing than you may even realize. And, you know, you, you mentioned the addiction and you, you know, you're a psychologist and, I do think that there is an addictive aspect to it. It's not heroin. It's not liquor It's not whatever, but there is an addictive quality to You know even I'll talk about my son, you know, he's he's 17 and he loves superhero movies and he's tried comics and he's tried and he just they just he and he's like he feels like he's you know Doing it wrong Look at well, how could I like this been like that? I said, well, I I hate to tell you this, kid, but there are a lot more of people like you than there are people like me. Just enjoy it for what it is. And once he kind of got his head around that, he was cool with it. And I just, I think that also part of what, what drove me to write some of those pieces because I do want people to know that, i i i've never been this excited to be a comic book fan or a comic book reader or whatever you call it than i than i've been now i mean you can't compare the same way of being a child versus being an adult but it's as an adult certainly it's more rewarding now than it's ever been part of that is because of 13th dimension obviously but a lot of it is because i feel like i'm only doing what i want to do and when you get to that point in your life where you can say that then you know that's a win
2: yeah, I mean, I, I guess I'm guilty at times. And I, I love what you said a while ago about your hobby shouldn't cause you stress. Yeah. I, th- I think that's, Absolutely. there's a tremendous amount of truth to that. And I'm guilty at times of being like, gosh, let me just email you know my buddy who owns the shop and just just tell him, can you just pull that extra pull the variant cover for me as well because i know i want it and i don't have to chase it down or track it down i just want to know that it's there and i can relax and whatever so i am guilty of it at times and i still
1: am and, and i still have my moments too where i'm like you know i shouldn't have done that that was not you know you you did that because you felt you needed to not because you wanted to but then i've also learned to forgive those moments and not beat my i used to beat myself up over stuff like that i don't i'm like you know what that's you know, as long and, as you recognize, it. and I think, you know,
2: for me, having kids changed a lot of my having kids and losing the store, I guess, were the two big things that really changed my collecting habits. Um, but it has been really nice to go to a convention and not come back with buyer's remorse because there are things in my collection that I look at and I'm like, this this thing, ah, why did I ever buy it? And I'm still holding on to it, like <laughs> what is, you know, uh, what was I thinking, you know? And, it, and it's almost there as like to mock me, you know, like don't do this again as a warning. Um, and so it has been very nice, and I, I'm not nearly as free as you, and I and maybe one day I will. I don't, we'll see. But it is. I, do understand on some level it is nice to come away and just be like that's all right I, you know yeah. I, yeah I didn't get that print
0: and it's okay i just recorded an episode that'll go up in a couple of weeks all about collecting pops the funko pop vinyl figures and yeah, I've, heard, uh, I've heard on you know i've been listening to
1: to the episodes yeah. and how that's kind of like an undercurrent i don't get it i don't get it man i just you know i i i actually have some other funko stuff but i just the pops i don't and I, i can't figure i mean i know that they're like a almost like this modern version of beanie babies where it's like out of control but i there's something aesthetically that i just don't find that pleasing about them but i understand that you know Again, there are a lot of people like you guys who are or like you are who are really into these
0: Yeah, and I mean I know some fans are feel the same way and that's you know perfectly fine But in the episode we talk a little bit about you know Some of the different reasons why they do appeal to people but um, you know for me specifically with respect to that, I have been able to approach it in a much more casual way as a right. collector and it has been great. Um, but, you know, on the other hand, I know we're mainly talking comics here, but I'm also a very big television fan. I watch a lot of shows mm. and it, it's hard for me to dr- stop watching a series. Um, part of it, you know, again, there's not really the collector aspect, you know, to that. But, but
1: it, it is the same thing though. I mean, it's, a, it's that wanting to, see, I mean, that also, it's not the collector thing, but it's wanting to see it through to the end. I've If I've, you know, God Damn it, if I've given this much time, I might as well see it through. Right. You know, but I'll never get that last hour back of lost, you know. I'll never get that hour left. I'll never get that hour back, you know. I've stayed way too long with that shit. But shop. you're right. You're invested at a level yeah. where to step away,
2: it's like, well, if I step away now, then the hundred of hours that I've put into this Are fruitless, you know, and why? Why do let let me just finish it out. And there's always the hope that whether
1: it's a series or that'll get better. But you see, this is also, and it's the same thing with comics, and the, 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 and that's also where I think that that we do have it much better off in the sense that it is easy to catch up it's easy to catch up on tv because you can binge watch it and i've given up on shows and then heard it got good again and then gone back i can do that i can th- th- it has actually made it easier to quit something because i know that i have a second chance same thing with comics you know i i even if i if i um you know i, I don't read uh on the uh tablet because i just i still prefer the old fa- the, the feeling same of i, I really re- the, you. Yeah. the, the yeah. tactical you know the tactile uh Uh, Aspect of it is important to me um, The experience of it, but the there are times where I've like missed an issue and for whatever reason it you know Maybe it was under ordered or whatever I'm just going, you know boom, boom, you know 299 on on whatever platform is and I'll read it at least so I know because I know I'm not collecting that issue I just need the story because I actually like the story, but I'm not keeping those issues So we do have some advantages than even you know 15 20 years ago and uh, and i think that's also why people you know guys like us who grew up before that or at least right on the edge you guys are a little bit younger than me or you substantially so you're like there's like a 20 year the 20 year difference is a substantial <laughs> difference um but the, I'm guessing you're probably somewhere in between us, or are you.
2: I'm not too far from him. I'm, oh, okay. Yeah, I'm right. okay. Almost twenty years apart. Okay, from okay. Me,
1: almost. Right. Then the, the I now, used to have now, the now. hairline of. Oh, is that, a it, oh okay. <laughs> is that what it? Oh, okay.
0: But <laughs> the, it's it's the a, beard too makes you the more. more <laughs> so,
1: I mean, you know, when I was when I was your age, it was I, not to sound like an old man, but when I was in my late twenties, the internet was only getting started. So it really, did, you kind of did have that newspaper quality of. You know, I got to read this because I don't want to miss something now. We do have the advantages of, you know, being able to catch up.
0: Yeah, I guess my last my last question here, um, you know, talking about the addictive nature and and, and just a lot of these other issues. Do you think that there are certain people who just possess that collector trait? And they're drawn to comics versus. Yeah, I do. But I also think comics. Cult they certainly nurture they, they, it
2: they cultivate it i mean they wouldn't put numbers on it and mm-hmm. track it the way that they do mm-hmm. if they didn't want people to have that urge to kind of be like well i've got what's
1: well, how they stay in business well ex- exactly i, I mean, mean that's they're why, constantly doing yeah. number
2: ones to bring more people in and then yeah. you're like oh well i got this number one i may as well just see it you know keep going now that i started you know so i think but it does attract a certain person and, and we've seen it at the store you want to talk about um you know people getting aggressive Come to the store on a Wednesday and don't open the door for five minutes. And people will be banging on the glass, like, let us in, let us in, because they need their fix. And it's, you know, it it can be very humorous at times with regards to that.
1: You know, the the companies do know what they're doing as far as, I mean, everybody says, oh, they don't know what they're doing. No, they know exactly what they're doing. They know what they're, I mean, it's the same thing where people complain about why do they put baseball playoff games, you know, on so late because you know oh they're only doing it for the ratings well what does the rating signify the ratings signify people that means that that's when the most people are watching so that's why are they all oh, they only care about the ratings yeah that's all they care about because that's when you know that's a measurement of people it's the same thing for the the comic book companies all oh, they care about number ones and, you know they just want to sell comic books well the answer to that is yes yeah. they do I, you know i think the the and i know we have to sort of wrap up soon but one of
2: the things that does irk me because I am a longtime fan, and and my heart is with DC. I love Marvel, but my heart is really with DC. Yeah, me too. But with both companies, when they have those the issues that you that you hear about in the news, you know, right. it's like, oh, this is the next, you know, whatever's going on with this character, it made the news, and now that's important. They're looking to bring in more readers, and I appreciate that. But in many cases, they're ostracizing some of the long term yes. readers who are the ones who will go back and track everything down as opposed to some of the newer generation that are just like, well, I'll read that. And all right, next I'm done. It's called,
1: it's called uh, taking their core audience for granted. Yeah. But there's a reason for that too. I mean, because they
0: know that they'll come back. Well,
2: absolutely. And the addiction is so strong that even if they offend us, we're still going to stick with it. It's uh,
0: Well, gentlemen, I want to thank you both very much for this discussion. I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah, this was great. Thank you. This was good. Uh, Hopefully listeners will enjoy as well, and maybe get a little insight into their own collecting habits, and maybe even take away some advice about how to drop a title. It will be okay. (laughs) It'll (laughs) be okay. Once again, thank you both. Thank you to All Yeah Comics. Please keep tuning in to future episodes of My Comic Shop History. Don't be a flat squirrel. My Comic Shop History is a Flat Squirrel production. Please visit flatsquirrelproductions.com to explore my other projects, including My Comic Shop Documentary, By Spoon, The Jay Mizell Story, and the forthcoming Wacky Man, The Rise of a Puppeteer. Be sure to subscribe to My Comic Shop History on iTunes and catch up on season one. Like My Comic Shop History on Facebook and follow me on Twitter at Desi Westside. Likes, ratings, and reviews are always greatly appreciated. Thank you for listening and continuing to support this show.